And a very good morning to you. And you are joined this morning by the BBC's Rich Preston. Rich, a very good morning to you. Good to have you on the show again. And a good morning to you. I'm very intrigued about this uh, tech company that sold, did you say 245 million rand? Yes, it is. Um, well, can, you, can you give me any clues as to, to what the tech company was? I don't want to steal your thunder for later on in your program. Well, there's a guy called Mason Meharry, um, and you know he, he is the director of Law Trust, right? Um, and and, and they are the ones who did our smart card, South Africa's smart ID card, which is one of the most advanced uh-huh. in the world. And he started this business with his wife. I mean, that in and of itself, <laughs> um, you know... <laughs> They successfully ran this business without killing each other. But anyway, um, no, it's just a phenomenal story. So we're going to dig into that. Um, they sold their business, I think, to Ultron for about 245 million rand. And it's just such Incredible. a beautiful story. And, you know, yeah, these, these, these are the sort of stories that, 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 that I'm, you know, once I'm out of here, I'm going to be focusing on these type of stories where mm, people yeah. come in. They have an idea, they execute that idea, and they hellishly successful and to understand and learn those lessons. So, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful, absolutely wonderful story. And we need to be sharing more of these stories, especially, you know, during COVID, uh, no matter what you think about that, Rich, because there are lots of people who are unemployed, but they're sitting with phenomenal skills that they yeah. can put to very good use. Yeah, before COVID, I used to uh, fly out regularly to Singapore and host tech conferences out there because um, ah. I used to report technology stories for the BBC. Yes. why I'm so interested in this story you're covering. Um, and the, the number of ideas, as you say, coming from just across that region. Um, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. And the things you can do with the technology in the palm of your hand nowadays. Yeah. Incredible. Certainly is. Certainly is. And, you know, these days everybody talks about pensions. If you get involved in a technology company that has, you know, really good people in terms of the the, the, the tech stacks that they can build, um, and you have really good innovators, people who understand the needs out there, um, then yeah, a decent exit or half a decent exit will make any other pension look like um, a walk in the park. Indeed. So anyway, uh, you and I should stay in touch. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> we, we have to. But but um, yeah. So obviously the BBC is correspondent, um, as you've heard, the man who used to talk tech, and I think you should go back to that as well, <laughs> over and above what you're doing, Rich Preston. And we start in India, Rich. Um, you know, it's been a massive rise in coronavirus cases and deaths over the last few weeks. And in spite of that, one of the country's biggest religious festivals are still going ahead. I mean, sorry, that is my definition of lunacy. But okay, what's happening? Yeah, I mean, this is the, the Kumela Festival, and it, it's arguably going ahead because officials say that it would have been, you know, too significant to cancel it. It's a massive Hindu festival. As, as part of the festival, millions of Hindus, millions, travel to the northern city of Haridwar, yep. and they bathe in the River Ganges. That's uh, believed to be holy. Taking a dip in it cleanses uh, cleanses you of your sins, brings you salvation. Officials there have been criticised, as we said, for letting the festival go ahead, and that's as the number of coronavirus cases climbs up and up and up now tomorrow tuesday kino is the last day of the festival and it's expected to be one of the biggest there are various ceremonial traditions as part of it thousands of nagasadhus they are Mm. followers of the hindu god lord shiva are expected to lead the royal bath in the river carrying their swords and tridents now that in itself is a concern these guys normally live high up in the himalayas far away from everyone else 
and they only come down to the plains for the Cumella. And this year, it's in the middle of extremely high COVID infection rates. So these wow. guys, far away from everyone else, I highly doubt they've had their COVID vaccines. They're coming down, they're mixing with these millions of people who are continuing to be it. in the River Ganges as part of this festival. Cannot believe it, anyway. Oh, it's just... Whew. And, and I don't know, you, you obviously saw those videos of people waiting in line and literally dying as they struggle for their breath. Yeah, and hospitals running out of oxygen. There have burning been, of there bodies. Last week. Yeah, burning of bodies in the streets because mm. crematoriums can't cope. Uh, people appealing on social media, we need a bed or oxygen for our uncle, father, husband, wife, son, whatever. Um, there's been criticism of the Indian government for asking Twitter to take down some of those posts. Um, so, yeah, real sense of desperation. Various Western nations are sending supplies, vaccines, etc. Um, one of the real problems in India is the variants there. It's officially known as B1617. It was first detected in India in October. Mm. But because sample testing isn't that widespread, we can't determine how far or quickly the variant is spreading. Um, it was detected in more than 200 out of 300 samples collected in the western state of Maharashtra. So it seems to be pretty widespread. And it has made it out of the country, including to Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, not South Africa, as far as we're aware. Um, it's on the, India's on the UK's red list. We don't, uh, we're not letting people travel from India to the UK because of this variant. It's not known yet whether it's more infectious, but there are suggestions it may be more resistant to antibodies. Yo. And this is the latest variant that we've seen now, hey? Because we've had the South African one, we've had the Brazilian one. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to play catch up here. Um, is, is this and the, the UK one as and well? And the UK yeah. variant. Oh, let's not leave the UK out of that one. It's exactly right. Um, and, and this is the latest one. Am I right in saying that? Yes, that's right. Uh, and it's wow. one of these things to I mean, viruses mutate. That's how they exactly. live and survive. Um, and the mutations, generally speaking, happen quicker in areas where the virus spreads faster. That's your basic biology for you. Uh, the UK variant does seem to be more uh, contagious out of all of them. It seems to spread faster. Um, it, as I was saying, it's not known whether the Indian variant spreads faster, but it, it is thought that it's uh, better at dodging the antibodies. Wow. Okay. And so so everybody's going, oh, we're getting the vaccine. We're getting Johnson & Johnson. We're getting Pfizer. I think some people are just leaving AstraZeneca. But um, we, if, if that virus significantly impacts your country, um, you know, what we're seeing in India could potentially happen in other countries. So we can't sit back, relax and go, we now have the vaccine, it's all going to be hunky-dory. This is going to be something that we, I would imagine, Rich, over the next couple of years are going to need to continue working on. I would imagine so, and I would imagine yeah. the scientists are probably already looking at Without a booster doubt. shots and such like, yeah. Okay, so uh, Brittany, Rich, tomorrow the next stage, of course, in this court battle between American pop star Britney Spears and her father. She's still alive. And her father. Uh, you know, I mean, he's currently in control of her estate and she's fighting to get it back. What's the story there? Well, she hasn't been in control of her own affairs since 2008. She was 26 then. Um, she had a, a breakdown. It was quite public because of mm. who she is, obviously. And that led to a legal battle over her well-being and her finances. That resulted in her father 
that Jamie Spears being granted status as conservator of her estate. So any finances, profits, land, he doesn't own them, but he does control them. Now, normally, mm. this type of legal procedure is what you would use for someone who's very ill, very old, uh, very disabled, perhaps suffering from severe dementia. So it's yep. rare that it's been used in this way. That There are two key prongs to it. There are the financial affairs and the affairs over Britney Spears as a person. Now, her father used to control both. He now only controls the financial element. In 2019, he handed control of the other element over to a woman called Jodie Montgomery. That was supposed to be temporary. Now, Britney's 39 now, and she says she, she wants her father removed from all control and for this woman, Jodie Montgomery, to be made permanent conservator. At the moment, Jamie Spears is still in control of Britney's financial estate, which is worth about $60 million. Lawyers acting for Britney Spears say that she's afraid of her father, but lawyers acting for her father say he's loving, caring, and only does what's best for his daughter. Now, it's worth adding, this has, been, this has got a bit of momentum after the release of a documentary called Framing Britney Spears. Um, so the fans very much are on Britney's, spy, uh, Britney's side. There is this momentum pushing it forward. Uh, so tomorrow is the latest step in that legal battle. Yeah, I mean, we'll go back to, when was it? I think it was Baby One More Time. And you remember that? I mean, way, way back. <laughs> I think it was 1998. Hit me, it would have been because I was, I was in first year of secondary school at the time. Oh, so I remember that coming out very oh, well. Yeah. yeah. There we go, you see. Anyway, it's amazing how things turn out in life in general. Um, but, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. Um I mean, I don't know if you've touched on this. But I think I might have missed it. But but what is happening tomorrow then? Is there any way of telling how it'll play out? Yeah, well, tomorrow is a status hearing. That okay. means the judges, the lawyers, the individuals themselves, if they want to be there, Brittany and Jamie and Jody, they will get together and see if there's a way of resolving this as amicably as possible. And that's to see if any sides have come to some agreement since the last hearing. So we are going to be keeping our eyes on this, but we're not expecting there to be some kind of amicable agreement. Quite simply, Britney Spears wants control of her estate, finances, personal wealth, um, or at least back in the hands of someone she has been involved in appointing. Her father is unlikely to back down on that, especially when, as he says, it's to make sure his daughter is protected and looked after properly. So if that is the case, if both parties meet tomorrow and they can't come to an agreement, then we're looking at a full and likely very public court hearing further down the line. Yeah, now we'll be keeping an eye on this one. Some Britney Spears, they would have thunk, eh? Um, but I mean, it's, it just takes us back, way, way back. And I remember, by the way, just being in my car and hearing the song for the first time and sort of going, dancing to it and going, I hope nobody's watching me, but I'm quite enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we'll never forget Britney Spears. Sure you remember this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rich? That was some quick finger work there to, to get that track lined up. <laughs> That's a bit Oh, but well, anyway, we'll move on to someone who might have also lost his marbles, um, the, the, the president of Russia. Anyway, I shouldn't be saying things like that. Rich, later this week, a court appeal by the Russian opposition activist Alexei Navalny. Um, let's uh, just bring us up to speed on that one. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the man who's President Putin's biggest critic, of course, currently in mm. prison slash hospital, has been on hunger strike. The reason he's on hunger strike is because uh, he was imprisoned after being poisoned with a nerve agent. Russia denies any involvement in that at a kind of governmental level. Um, Mr. Navalny wants to see his own doctors. He says he's been refused, so he went on hunger strike. That is now ended. And now, officially, the reason he's in jail is because he violated the terms of a suspended sentence from 2014, a sentence for fraud. Uh, the reason he violated them was because he was in a hospital bed in Berlin at death's door after that suspected nerve agent poisoning. Uh, now, the appeal this week is on Thursday. It's actually related to a conviction he received earlier this year when he was accused of slandering a Russian World War II veteran. Uh, and for that, he was fined the equivalent of eleven and a half thousand dollars. That conviction, like many, prompted protests from Mr. Navalny's supporters, uh, protests which are often heavily policed. So uh, what are we expecting this Thursday? Well, the case itself, arguably not that significant, really. It's a minor offence, but it's a bit of a temperature check, uh, Kino, on the relationship between Mr. Navalny and the Kremlin. So we're going to be watching for the reaction by the court. Will it accept appeal? the appeal? Will Mr. Navalny be allowed to proceed? Will he win? Will there be protests? Will the security forces be out with their batons in their hands? Um, honestly, we're not expecting him to win, which in itself will be a sign that the Kremlin and the authorities are not backing down and will continue to stand firm against Vladimir Putin's biggest, most vocal critic. Well, Rich, thank you very much for your time.